This is FortiCast, the podcast about Fortinet technology. In today's episode, members of the Technical Assistance Center, otherwise known as TAC, continue their discussion about techniques that you can use to troubleshoot your FortiGate. This episode is part two of two. Enjoy. Something that we have presumed for the discussion of the throughput is that the CPU and memory, the FortiGate resources, are running at their normal level, like at the normal efficiency. There are cases where we have found that when the CPU or memory is running higher, at which point the issue would be prominent because you would be able to see the CPU and memory usage from the dashboard, and you will see that, okay, there are cases when I see my VAN throughput is lower or my IPsec throughput is lower, my CPU or memory goes high. So what I often feel is that when should a customer panic when they see the CPU or memory to go high? Because nowadays with the advancement in the technology, right, the devices are now having multi-core CPUs. That's correct. And also, Mayor, I'd like to just point out, always bring a towel, never panic. Um, It's never good to panic, but um, I guess it does bring up an interesting point because you, when should you be worried is, is probably a better way to phrase it, in my opinion, because panicking does nobody any good. Honestly, when you're looking at CPU problems, where where you're going to start seeing problems, and like Mayur was mentioning, uh, most of the FortiGates that are sold nowadays are multi-core systems, uh, so they have more than one CPUs on them. And when you're looking at the dashboard, typically, unless you're running one of the newer builds, that distinction might not be there because it's averaging it out. But on the newer dashboards, for sure, you will see individual lines for the uh, cores. But what you want to look for is especially if you're if one of your cores or if many of your cores are being sustained at 99% or, or at 100%. And the reason why this is an issue is we have to look a little bit back how a, how a processor actually operates. And the good thing to know here is that unless we're, we're dealing with underclocking, overclocking, a CPU, the OS uses it at more or less 100% all the time. It's just when you're getting, say, 1% usage, 99% of it is being used by running an idle process. And that's, that's a little bit how an OS calculates uh, what is being spent doing nothing versus what it's being spent doing something useful. With that in mind, keep in mind, the CPUs run at 100% all the time just not necessarily doing something useful. I always like to picture like a juggler with uh, one ball just tossing it from one tent to the other, just keeping warm. Yep, it's just (laughs) keeping busy, exactly. Now, whenever you're seeing a CPU at 99%, that means there's about like 100% to 99% of its usable time being used to actually be doing something that the OS requires it to do. And that's when you start running into problems because what you're trying to avoid doing is... At 90%, for example, you're, you've got about 10% still left. That means you're completing your tasks in time. Um, they're, they're still being completed in real time. But when you're at 99%, what starts happening is your tasks are starting to pile up. And this is, this is where what I mean by sustained usage is a problem because 40OS, its primary task is to forward and scan packets. That's what it was built to do. So when those start backing up, while well, the interface queues start backing up and you start running into drops. So any core that is seen running at 100%, you risk seeing drops. If all your cores are running at 100%, you're going to see drops across the board. But if it's only one or a few cores, it's going to be far more intermittent. It's going to make you 
you're going to see very sporadic behavior. There won't be necessarily a noticeable pattern as to where the drops are occurring. There's a simple reason for that. And it's just because all cores are used to technically forward traffic uh, when the CPU is doing it. It's generally done based on a session and they'll be sent down to a core. I mean, I'm oversimplifying this a little bit, but that's effectively what to expect in this case. Now, what will happen then at that point is that if your session lands on the affected core that's running 100%, you start running into problems, but other sessions, for example, will run through just fine. So it's still an issue. It's still something you have to look into to see what, what exactly is going on. Now, the approach to troubleshooting CPU problems is... There is a little bit of a method to do it, but it's it's highly circumstantial because you may not be running in necessarily into a bug, but the FortiGate might be reacting to something going on in the environment. But first, we have to see where the cycle is being spent. Because there's two areas, really, for where CPU cycles can be spent, right? There's system, there's the kernel, and then there's user space. That's correct. So to break it down a little bit further... A lot of what a lot of customers will do is run Diax desktop first, and that's not necessarily the right approach all the time. In most cases, yes, it's a user space daemon that's that's eating up the CPU, but it's it's not the first command I would run. the The first one I would run is get system performance status, and the goal of that command is exactly what Daniel was mentioning: is to see where are my cycles being spent. Is it in user space or is it in system space? And and there's an important reason for that. User space is what represents all your daemon processing. So that's any running daemon on the system is represented by that slice. Anything else would go typically into system, be it interrupts, whatever system. Like I said, you, you would see in get system performance status, there's one that will say user, system. You might see IRQ, soft IRQ and disk I.O., and that's usually categorized under the system space. So the first thing you want to look here then is, are your cycles being spent in user or something else? If they're all being spent in the user space, that's when you want to run Diag Sysstop because that means it's definitely a daemon taking up all the cycles. What's an example of one of the daemons like, that might be taking up that just be, people might be familiar with? Well, obviously, IPS engine. Uh, anything usually involved in traffic scanning are will typically be a little bit busier than most. Okay, like so, like uh, anything like like SSH, the SSH session, anything like that. Yeah, those are those are daemons. Um, there's another common one that should be known, which is uh, WAD or WAD Whiskey Alpha December. That one is is what handles most of the proxy inspection. So that's another daemon to be aware of. That's should be expected to be relatively busy depending on what's going on. So that would be the case where you see all your cycles going into user, and that's what folks are most common with is, okay, well, let's run Diax's top or Diax's top summary. Okay, so we know what where they're going, and uh, the, I don't know if it makes sense yet, but at least I know what where it's going. Now, there's, there's another case, and this, the reason I want to highlight this example is because this will be misleading and confusing to most is if most of your cycles being spent on the system side and you say you see only about a 5% or 1% being spent in the user space when you're running get system performance status, when you run to stop, what'll happen is you're going to see a random daemon eating up 99%. But it's important to know that the 99% that daemon is reporting that it's using 
the five or one percent of the user space slice. And that's the thing is because of that, it's misleading because it'll lead someone to think it's this daemon causing the issue, which is not really the case. And restarting that daemon will not may be not run. fix the issue, which should technically be the case if the daemon if the issue would have been caused by user daemon. Exactly. So, so if, just let me repeat again, just because I think it's important to say. So you've got a slice of the pie. And get system performance status. That shows you the whole pie. Yeah, and it sees that system is using up, say, 90%. Let's say 99%, just that, for Just fun. for easy, yeah. And you have 1% for, for user space. So 1% of the user space, and then you run Diag system top, and I see that, whatever, I'll pick SSL VPN is running at 99%. But that's 99% of that just one teeny tiny 1% slice. slice. Of the pie. Yeah, that's Exactly. Right. Okay. That is precisely it. And the other behavior you might see that's very misleading is that you'll see different processes going at 99% just because they're starved for resources. Mm-hmm. And and this is another important thing. I guess the next question is, what does a kernel typically handle the system space? Well, that's your drivers. That's what allocates resources. But more importantly, that's actually where the firewall code resides. It's not in It's not in a user space application at all. The network forwarding, when done by the CPU... That's all done in system space. So why is that important? Remember what I said before, CPU issues might be highly circumstantial. And sometimes the box is reacting to something that's going on on the network. So an example of this is local traffic, right? We were discussing this earlier. Traffic that has to land on the 48. And there's multiple examples of this. There's could be administration, could be an IP the 48 owns, or it's broadcast traffic as well, because... You have to receive and process and drop it, ultimately. That's something else to keep in mind of. For example, if there's a a switching loop going on in your network and you start seeing packets being repeated back to the interface, it might actually peg a core if it's coming in at a high rate because the FortiGate still has to process, acknowledge, and then drop the packet because you received it on your interface. So... That's what I mean. If you're if you're seeing something in system space, it's it, be mindful of that. Check your interfaces to see if anything weird is going on. And I would highly recommend also having a good baseline of what your network is, uh, especially the spot differences in behaviors, because possibly those can correlate to when you're seeing the spikes in CPU. And one of the good tools to do this with is SNMP for, for historical trending. There's usually nothing more powerful than that for looking at your interface counters, for example, to see if you're getting more than normal. In system space, in terms of what you can use to look at what's going on, there is a tool that does exist in 40 OS, which is the, the profiler. And it's a little bit difficult to interpret, but it, it is something you can gather before engaging us for sure. Or if some of our listeners happen to be Unix gurus, they'll probably make sense of it. The profiler is basically a tool that allows you to see what functions in system space are being called on the most. And the tool also allows you to specify a very specific CPU core. So it's actually quite useful of painting a picture of maybe what's going on. The command is called diagsysprofile. And how you would typically use it is you run Diaxis profile, CPU mask, and the ID of the CPU based on your get system performance status. So you set that, you do Diaxis system profile start, and then you wait a few seconds. You, you have to give it time to collect information, and then you stop it. Roughly after 10 seconds, I say, is a good sample. 
and then you do diagnosis profile show order, and that will list out the top functions being used. Now, it's important to note, however, that this command is only useful when the core is pegged. Otherwise, what ends up happening is that you will see the idle process being called on the most at the top, which means the core wasn't used at 100% at that time. Now, interpreting this, like I mentioned earlier, you might be able to picture what it's doing a little bit. Sometimes a little Googling helps on the function names, but ultimately, um, if you can't make sense of it, again, send it our way and we'll take a look at it. Some folks might find it useful, but it's more typically more useful for us. But if you open a case with that information already, we're, we're already quite a few steps ahead in, in looking at what's going on. Now, when it comes to memory, what, what troubleshooting techniques or what troubleshooting commands are we looking at when we see memory is being consumed or memory is running at a little higher than expected levels? There's three commands you can run to start with, but the the first thing I would do is, if especially if you have monitoring tools, is see if this was a trend or not. The, the one pattern I would be looking for in this case is if there's an increase over time that shows it not releasing memory throughout time. Oh, so you're talking about the, for, mem- the widget in the GUI, which can be set for five minutes, one hour, 24 hours. Even better, I would say, is SNMP because that mm-hmm. can go back for a few weeks. And, and it, it does happen. You, I have seen memory leaks that take weeks to happen. And you wouldn't have caught it just by looking at the dashboard because that's giving you an idea of over the last, you know, few hours. Going back to your question, like what, what's three commands that you can use to start looking at memory? Contrary to CPU, I don't find going for the user space commands first is necessarily a bad thing because memory is, is a bit of the same thing. The, the Your memory can go into like a system space or it can go into user space. You're, you're running daemons. For example, the first commands for user space is diaxis top and diaxis top dash summary. And I'm guessing most of our listeners are quite familiar with it by now. So I won't go too much over it, but top summary is fairly useful because it groups all child processes together. So that can give you an idea collectively what some of these multi-threaded daemons, how much memory they're using collectively. While diaxis top is more useful to see if there's only one process that seems to be consuming way more than what I would say is normal. If you're looking at that output and you're seeing things don't quite add up with how much memory the unit is currently using, the other place to check is Diag Hardware Sysinfo Memory. And interpreting that one is usually more done by us, but it's something that can be grabbed. And from there, we can usually determine where to go next because there isn't one approach for every problem because whenever a daemon is using up a lot of memory, the commands become daemon specific for the troubleshooting. One thing, though, that you might see us do that I, I kind of want to touch on, but it's it's something you might see TAC do if you're working with them with the memory problem, is you might see them using scripts to collect information over time. This might seem a little strange at first, but there is usually a good reason for that. We're trying to catch a trend. That's what we're trying to do. And we may be running daemon-specific memory commands. We might be running general OS-level commands. We're just trying to see, especially when we're trying to address a leak, we're trying to actually catch a particular object uh, increasing and never releasing. That's why you're going to see us do this. So if you run into a case like this and you, say, open up a TAC case, um, one thing I would recommend is... Try to keep a Linux system handy because some of the scripts we use are shell-based. 
And even just one VM would be all we need with SSH installed on it. That's really all we would really require. And and I believe that should be part of uh, any network administrator's tool set is to keep a virtual machine with Linux running on it because there's a few extra things we can do with it uh, that we can't necessarily do on Windows. Memory, however, the way you would address this typically is high memory is something you should be calling us for. But there's cases where something using up a lot of memory is uh, it's relatively normal. Now, one thing most folks should be aware of is if you're getting hit with a lot of sessions, that's all stored in RAM. So assume you're getting, for example, a, a denial of service attack, but it's all targeting something behind the FortiGate and they're technically valid sessions or semi-valid sessions, I would say. And you see your session table increase from, you know, a few millions, which you consider your normal peak usage to, I don't know, 50, 60 million. You will see your RAM increase for sure. So just keep that in mind. It's just like CPU utilization. It's very relative. So whatever detail you can give us uh, about how your environment operates can help us a lot to maybe see what's going on because that that will help us target our troubleshooting efforts a little bit better with you. So, Alex, uh, I have come across situations where uh, users will report that after a certain number of days or after following a particular trend, the FortiGate is now completely unresponsive. No response to the CLI, no response to the HTTPS, or nothing in the console at all. The unit is in a deadlock state, and the only way to get it out from that stage would be by hard rebooting the device. Yes, so so this is a topic worth covering, not because it happens frequently, but precisely because it's rare and it, it tends to cause people to panic, I would say, because a, a unit just locking up like that, freezing, is, is never good. Now, the first thing I should mention again, and I must repeat, is this does not happen often. The only reason we're mentioning it is because we're tech engineers, we tend to deal with negative aspects of the product first and foremost, uh, rather than hear the good things, right? So this is, I guess, targeted for just about everybody and and how to approach those types of situations. When a unit locks up, it's not necessarily a hardware problem. We've we've seen that in the past where this would happen, but it, it would actually be just be a software bug. When a unit is in a hung state like that, it doesn't mean the hardware is bad. It just means the instructions have arranged themselves in a way that no progress is possible, so the system halted. You can consider it kind of like a gridlock, where nothing can really move anymore. This introduces a a bit of a challenge in terms of troubleshooting, because obviously for debugs to run, the operating system needs to actually be in a running state. So trying to get any information about what state it's in at that precise moment you're not going to be resorting to normal troubleshooting methods anymore. Here is a, ge- a general approach you can take to this. So first things first is that if you're in an HA cluster, especially, don't panic. Don't panic anyways. You're If you're in an HA cluster, the other unit should pick up the slack and fail over. What to do after is get your laptop, get your serial cable, head down to the unit and plug yourself in and just see because you can't get into it over SSH or GUI, go see what the console's like. Press enter a few times, and if there's no response, chances are you're in the state I just described. It's it's a deadlock. 
Now, what you do in this case then is you will want to look for a pinhole. This is something you're going to find on the higher end units, maybe not necessarily on the smaller end units, but you, you'll, you'll see on the front panel there's a little pinhole. If you can't find it or you don't know where it is, just give us a call because we can tell you if it's equipped with it. What we're looking for is a little switch called an NMI button. NMI stands for non-maskable interrupt. What that switch will do is that it will send the signal to the CPU to dump all the instructions it's handling at that point in time. And this is important for us because this, this tells us what instructions the FortiGate hung on. And that's information that we can use either for looking up any matching issues or just talking with development to see what might have happened at that point. Because effectively, you, you can't really run anything like I was mentioning earlier uh, other than that. Now, when you're doing this, make sure you get your laptop, set your, your terminal emulator to log everything because it can dump quite a lot of output. And the reason we say to do this as well is, A, you're going to get something out of it. And B, when the button press is done, the FortiGate will reboot as well, which is something you would have had to do anyway. So it's important to do this before you go reboot the unit uh, because you get a chance of at least getting some answers that way. Now, if you're not sure if your unit has an NMI switch, like I said, best to get in, in contact with us and we'll tell you if it's there. And if not, we'll try to arrange something. Generally, we we can do something in those cases as well, but we might have to engage engineering to have it collected another way. In most cases, when you're dealing with these issues, you, you will be working with us. But if there's one thing I would say you I would recommend uh, for customers to try out if they can is... If these tend to be uh, newly released units, try to get on the latest firmware build just to eliminate other possible issues that might have existed when it was released. Chances are they might help. If it doesn't, get in touch with us because those are problems we want to know about. And like I said, they're not particularly common, but this is generally something good to be aware of because it gives a better chance of us being able to give you an, an answer of what happened that time. Because otherwise, like I said, there's no debugs, there's no information on running state uh, while the unit's hung. So our answers are a little bit difficult to state unless we go look around, we find there's been previous cases of it. But if not, uh, we're a little reliant on that output to uh, hopefully give you a bit of an answer. Other than that, if that happens to you, don't panic. Get the NMI output if you can, and send that over our way, and we'll we'll try to see what we can dig out of it. All right, well, um, that's everything I had for today. Uh, so again, my name is Alex LaFrance. I'm uh, one of the tech escalation engineers here at Fortinet. Thank you, listeners, uh, for uh, giving us a chance to share our thoughts on the most commonly observed uh, troubleshooting techniques. This is, again, Mayur Patel working as a level one engineer with tech. This is Dale and uh, Level 2 support as well. Thanks for listening. You can find show notes as well as information about FortiCast on our website, forticast.fortnet.com. This episode was edited by Michael Cornwall. Our executive producers are Darren Turnbull and Alan Newman. Our music is from bensound.com. You can listen and subscribe to FortiCast in Apple Podcast or any other podcast app. If you have any questions, our email is 40cast at fortnet.com.